Well, hello, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility, where we discuss different Jane Austen adaptations. This season, we're talking about sense and sensibility. I'm Julia. I'm Beth. And I'm Lori. This week, we're discussing the 2008 BBC miniseries adaptation of Sense and Sensibility, starring Charity Wakefield, Hattie Morahan, and Dominic Cooper. Gosh, Dan Stevens didn't make the cut in that wow. intro. You know, I just chose the first three people on the IMDb. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Julia, what are you sipping on tonight? Ladies, I am trying out another herbal tea from the little sampler my dad got me. And do y'all want to see the mug that I'm sipping out of? Aww. Aww. Oh, I love that. Thanks. So this mug that I'm sipping out of. I'll be sure to post it on the Insta, but it's a Jane Austen mug with lots of quotes. And I would highly recommend. It's got like a, it, it's big. So it holds a lot of liquid and it's really cute and super high quality so far. Um, and it was a Secret Santa gift from the Secret Santa that me and the other hosts do every year with our group of friends from college. So our sweet friend Frankie got this for me. Shout out to you, Frankie. <laughs> I think- <laughs> All three of us are using mugs, drinks, uh, cups, that's the word, from our secret Santas. We are. What a cute little coincidence. So in my mug, I am drinking a Twinings herbal tea, and the flavor is honeybush, mandarin, and orange. Mm. Mm -hmm. Sounds delicious. Thank you. So, Beth, what are you sipping? Well... (laughs) My pronunciation is always terrible on all these different wines. The brand is Seco, S-E-C-C-O, and it is Vino Frizzante, which I think just means sparkling wine. Oh, fancy. Yeah, so it's actually a white, and I pretty much never, ever, ever drink white, so this is a pretty big deal. I was going to say, you're a red girl. Yes. Well, my friend Abigail came over last night, and she brought this. And of course, she left it at my house. And so I actually really enjoyed it. I thought I would finish it off. Um, it's nice and bubbly. And shout out to Abigail. She's reading her first Jane Austen book right now. Woo! She just started Pride and Prejudice. Woo! Have a convert. So to celebrate, I'm drinking this sparkling wine out of my wonderful wine glass, which was a gift from my secret Santa that says, Obstinate Headstrong Girl, which of course is a Jane Austen quote. Oh, we love that. We love that. What are you drinking, Lori? In my secret Santa mug, which is not the anonymous silver Yeti. Don't worry. I still have it. It's hidden someplace. Uh, This is a blue Yeti. And Julia was my secret Santa and got it for me, which was great fun. (laughs) Thank you, secret Santa. Uh, In it, I have a Babe Rosé, which is another canned wine. Thank you. I'm very on trend with those right now. Very into Um, the canned wines. Yes. Well, the thing about canned wine is once you open it, you're going to drink it, right? Because it's like in a can with like a bottle of wine. You can uncork it and mm-hmm. then you might like recork it and then kind of forget about it potentially. And then the wine goes bad and then it just doesn't end well for anyone. But like the canned wines, you can get them in like one serving. So if you only want one serving of wine, you know, it kind of works out. Anyway. That is nice. It is a sparkling rosé, and I'm enjoying it so far. We all have very light things tonight. Orange tea, rosés, sparkling whites. Wow. Speaking of enjoyment, what did you guys think about our very first Sense and Sensibility adaptation? Can I do a quick shout out really quickly, though, Beth, before we get into that? I just feel like as a podcast of women talking about a female author, it's important that we recognize the historic moment that happened in America this week of Kamala Harris becoming the vice president of America, the first female vice president, first black, first South Asian vice president. So that was super cool and honestly a pleasure to witness. I love it. Cheers. Cheers to that, ladies. Oh, cheers. Cheers to women. All righty. So what did you guys think of our very first adaptation of Sense and Sensibility? As my first adaptation of Sense and Sensibility, I quite enjoyed it. I have no other marker, but I quite enjoyed it. I can't believe this was your first. I know. I'm sorry. 
Well, I really liked it. Um, I hated it at first. More on that later. <laughs> really hated it. I had some very heated texts in our group message yeah. about it. Um, but I'm looking forward to discussing it. It was really interesting. Much different from the other version I've seen. I have to say, so I had this trouble last season with Emma. Um, I was always comparing Emma's to Gwyneth Paltrow. And I do feel like the 95 Sense and Sensibility adaptation just has such a stronghold in my mind that it was really hard for me not to compare this. But I tried really hard to compare this to the book only <laughs> and not to the 95 adaptation. And I did enjoy it. But there were definitely things that I didn't like about it. So I feel like I'm kind of very medium in my feelings about it, if that makes sense. Like very in the middle, you know, like okay. if it's like slide, if you love or hate, like on a scale of one <laughs> to ten, one being I seriously disliked it and ten being I loved it. I feel like I'm like a six, you know, <laughs> like barely leaning towards. I think That's I'm with fun. you. I think I'm with you there. It's like I a BuzzFeed quiz. Yeah, critics agree with you. Let's see. We have Rotten Tomatoes. We have a 71% audience score. And then we have a 79% critic score on Metacritic. Oh, interesting. So it's got like a like a C average. And they agree for the most yeah. part. I mean, that's very close. What about the vibe? What are you feeling about the vibe? Okay, so here are where some of my strong feelings come in. Um, the vibe of this movie was and and uh, it was kind of depressing yeah they placed the home that the cottage that the dashwood women move into on the seaside which that is not so weird not technically book accurate but it yeah. gave it a very depressing feeling um also the music pretty depressing again i understand this movie starts with the death of their father very tragic the women go through tragic things throughout the book but this book is also a comedy and so i was just kind of thrown off by the depressing feel of this the tone of this movie it's just it's very much a drama and i think that was one of the things that kind of made it difficult for me another thing that was interesting that i noticed was beth actually texted in our group she was like was this movie made in the 70s because in certain scenes the quality of the filming is just not as good yeah. like it's kind of grainy yeah which is surprising mm -hmm. for a 2008 film um and so i think like the cinematography was not my favorite ever so in terms of like the depressing vibe and the not always aesthetically pleasing cinematography that kind of is part of what threw me off for sure i think i'm i'm with you completely on everything you just said um i think one thing that impacted that was trivia uh two bits one uh the director of this film is the same director as the 1995 pride and prejudice that's mm -hmm. the 1995 bbc miniseries and the kate beckinsale emma so you kind of get a vibe of his directing style anyway. And obviously putting that into this, it, it it like felt a little weird. He like tried to do some things that like didn't really work in my opinion. Um, that didn't work like, for you, Lori. Well, just overall, I felt like he was trying to make some characters act like other characters in other movies. Mm -hmm which I'm sure we'll touch on later. But it was like very much I felt like he was trying to just replicate his earlier works, which directors do. I mean, it's kind of what they do. They find a style. Um, but besides that, touching on the depressing note, which not really depressing for me because I like rain, um, but there is constantly rain in this film. Mm. There's so much rain. And uh, fun tidbit, all that rain is real. There is no like staged rain the entire time they were filming this, it was almost constantly raining. That's Britain for you, y'all. Especially the seaside. Wow, that's yeah. insane. I can't, okay, I can't go any further without talking <laughs> about the fact that this miniseries starts with a sex scene. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah, warning. What? If you're going to watch like, this, warning. Oh, my gosh. This is a Jane Austen movie. I thought that it was a trailer for something else. I thought maybe I clicked on the wrong thing. But no, there was a fire burning. There was skin touching. There was clothes coming off. Okay. To be to, to explain, uh, there is no actual, like, visible sex scene. But it is 
explicitly like implied. Like there are like clothes visibly taken off. You don't see anything besides like a shoulder, but like it is weird that that is how this movie opens. It was also they never like talk about it really. And it's never like it's not like it's ever really explained. You're just supposed to know what it is. If you haven't read the book too, you you pretty much will have no idea what this reference is. Um eventually they mention Willoughby and his seduction of Colonel Brandon's ward. But you wouldn't necessarily put that together because it's in two separate hour-long episodes in these miniseries that this happens. And the other thing for me was it was just so jarring to jump from like steamy fireside sex scene, which that's another thing. Like you see a bare shoulder and there are flames in the background. So it's very like, are they in hell? Like I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but like that was what was running through my mind. Um, But you jump from flames and sex to death of mr dashwood so it was a very jarring switch for me yep yeah i would have to agree another thing i know that sometimes we'll talk about the music in this section and the music overall didn't really stand out to me very much i felt like again we've talked about before sometimes you'll just have subtle period music in the background i felt like that was definitely what was going on this time but there was one time where it really did speak to me and that was when Marianne is at uh, the Palmer's house she goes for a walk in the rain and nobody knows where she is and Colonel Brandon goes to chase her down because everyone's very worried about her and as soon as Willoughby sorry as soon as Brandon gets on his horse to chase Marianne down this electric guitar starts in the background (laughs) and I I forgot about that I did not enjoy that so that's just something to point out. The music was a little bit, it missed a little bit for me. They could have gotten that like same harsh, angsty electric guitar music with like, I don't know. What's the old piano? Not a pianoforte, but the like one that's like very clinky. I you know what I'm talking about. An organ? No. A xylophone? Okay. Found it. Thank you, Google. Uh, a harpsichord. Oh, listen to that. Uh, It's very similar. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's discuss the characters in this film. So Eleanor is played by Hattie Morahan, who she was actually in Beauty and the Beast, along with another character in this film. She played the Enchantress. Um, she was also in Mr. Holmes. She played Anne Kelmott in the Golden Compass. In the Golden Compass, she played Sister Clara, and in more recently in Enola Holmes, she played Lady Tewksbury. And if I pronounce that wrong, I'm sorry. I haven't seen this movie yet. Hmm. Yeah, I need to watch Enola Holmes. So she's been in quite a few movies. Well, I felt a great kinship to Eleanor. <laughs> I'm sure no one's surprised. <laughs> what? I thought she did a really well, good job of portraying her, and of course, I can't help but compare it to Emma Thompson, and I love Emma Thompson, but this is just so much more believable. Eleanor, a lot of that was just because of the age difference. Yeah, it's so much better. It's portrayed better in this than it is another one. Mm-hmm. I will say with um, Eleanor and then Mary Ann, who we'll talk about in a second, they their actresses look what I would imagine. I guess their characters to look like in the mm-hmm. book. Like mm-hmm. Eleanor really looks like she lives by sense. Mm-hmm. You know, Marianne looks like she plays up to her sensibility. You know, like she looks very carefree, um, which was kind of nice to see. Like, I don't know how often I see aspects of people's character, like physically displayed. Mm-hmm. If I'm explaining that in a way y'all understand. Um, but yeah, I thought she was a very good Eleanor. I agree. I thought, speaking of appearance specifically, Hattie looks eerily similar to the actress who plays her mother, which uh, that's Mm, Janet McTeer. And I actually looked up if they were related because they have like the same eyes. And that kind of leads me to another point. I loved Hattie. I thought she was a great actress. The emotion um, that she displays throughout the film is 
amazing. And, you know, Eleanor is a pretty steady character, but there are moments that are key for her when Marianne is sick and then when Edward finally proposes, when she's having conversations with Lucy Steele about Edward, you can see the pain. And she was so genuine to me. I do have one small bone to pick with her, though. And I'm sorry, but she, when she's first falling in love with Edward, and then in another scene that I know we're going to talk about a little bit more later, when she's looking at Edward, she does this thing with her eyes where she looks like she's looking at a ghost or something. Her eyes get really wide. Yes, her eyes get really wide. And they're just so blue and piercing that it kind of freaked me out. Like she was trying to convey love and affection, um, but she just looks scared to me. And so I had trouble with that a little bit. Um, And so believing the chemistry between her and Edward was a little bit hard for me until the end when I felt like she really got there and was displaying the love in a great way. And maybe it is that she was going for a more Eleanor is afraid of her emotions, which would, I feel like, be pretty accurate to the book. But the eyes did bother me. And the specific scene where I felt like it stood out the most, (laughs) there's a scene where Edward, in this adaptation, he is visiting the Dashwoods for the (laughs) first time at the cottage. And he gets just super stressed out. Yeah, he gets flustered and upset. He's just heard Eleanor say that money is key to happiness, which is very interesting. I hadn't really thought about it until this adaptation pointed it out. But yeah, yeah, it really brought out how Edward would have been stressed by that. And for some reason, I've just never thought about that before. But Edward hearing that money is an important key to happiness to Eleanor would be frustrating to him because he doesn't know if he's going to have any money And therefore, Eleanor could be lost to him. But anyway, he gets frustrated. So he goes outside of their house and starts chopping wood with just a thin white shirt on. Very similar to what what Mr. Darcy wears in the lake scene that is very famous in the 95 Pride and Prejudice. And he's, it's raining. And Eleanor just walks out and she's holding something over her head. And it just flashes to her. And she's just wide-eyed staring at him chopping wood and i legitimately was like did she just see a ghost because that's what her face looked like to me i didn't mind that scene i will say oh my I gosh think, um mm-hmm. last night Lori, because i caught up last night on watching this uh wrote and then underlined <clears throat> men cutting logs in frustration equals hot oh my gosh that were my thoughts. Those it does, were my thoughts. It does point out, like, Marion and Eleanor are into different types of men. Like, mm-hmm. Eleanor likes a a work a hardworking type of guy. And Marianne likes the sensitive type of guy. Well, Julia, did you feel like your beloved Marianne was portrayed well in this adaptation? Yes. Yeah, so, Marianne is played by Charity Wakefield. And she actually played Quince in an in the 2017 adaptation of A Midsummer Night's Dream. She also played, uh, she guest starred as Lucy on Doctor Who in 2016. But I thought Charity Wakefield did a really great job. Um, I really thought that she stepped up to the plate in terms of Marianne. She was romantic and emotional. um, And she portrayed the relationship, the chemistry between Charity and Hattie, the two sisters, I thought was really great too. Um, and I thought Charity did it. I thought she did a good job with Marianne and her love for Colonel Brandon too. At the end, I felt like they did a great job developing that story. What did y'all think about Charity's uh, depiction? Oh, I loved it. And I thought her relationship with, with Eleanor was just so wonderful. I thought they had such a great bond. Um, you know, again, hard not to compare her to Kate Winslet because it's the only other version of this I've seen. But I thought she did a wonderful job. She captured the romanticism and she is beautiful and she looks like Marianne should look to me. Yeah, she definitely looks the part. Uh, and I really liked her acting. I felt like she was every bit the romantic, the playing into her emotions. She was reading poetry the entire time, which there is some she brought up Byron. Julia and I have this opinion. Byron is trash. I'm sorry. No, I don't think Byron's trash. <laughs> Listen, I'm having flashbacks to our independent study. Let's not talk about his character. Oh, oh right. Like as a person, yes. As a, a person, person, he is trash. Look it up, y'all. Um, but yeah, I thought she did 
very well at playing a romantic 17-year-old girl with all the emotions of a 17-year-old girl. Mm. Like, in the last episode, or the second episode, I can't exactly remember, when they're in London and Willoughby sends back all of her letters and she just screams at Eleanor, basically, you don't know how I feel, and like throws herself onto the bed and starts crying, is like, yes, that is every bit of that character. I totally agree. And I was actually going to mention just before that, they have the scene where Marianne sees Willoughby at the ball. And it's the first uh, time they see each other after he's left her at the cottage. And when she faints, when he kind of rejects her, I thought that she played that Mm -hmm. so, so well. And it was so believable. Um, Also, I think for me that the one thing that Charity wasn't able to do was not her fault. I think the script did not give her enough to work with. Because the script was very interesting. Yeah. For me, I really felt like they did not develop the relationship between Willoughby and Marianne very well. They don't show you a lot of their interactions together. You only get to see a few clips of them. There's one of them dancing. There was one of them in Allenham where they kiss, actually, which is mm, so weird. a little weird. Yeah. And to me, their relationship seemed more of like a mutual lust for each other rather than love. And I think in the book, it really is supposed to be they are in love with each other. And that's confirmed later when she's you know, dying and, or she thinks she's dying and Willoughby comes to see her. And so the one qualm I have with the character of Marianne comes from the script. And that's just because I felt like they could have given Charity more to work with and they, the Mm. script just did not. So that's, that's my one, uh, one thing that I'm nitpicking about. I feel like the logical progression from Marianne has to be Brandon, who was played in this adaptation by David Morrissey, who's actually been in quite a few TV shows, including The Walking Dead. He plays Philip the Governor Blake and the show Field of Blood, where he plays Murray Devlin. What did you guys think of his adaptation of Colonel Brandon? Beth, do you want to go first? Yeah, I know you guys are going to disagree with me because when I got on to this today, you guys were talking about how much you didn't like him. But I freaking loved him. I thought he was the man. He did such a good job, in my opinion. I loved that you could tell that he was in love with her the whole time. And he just, he was just this silent, like steadfast presence. And he just waited. He was so patient and he just waited for her to come to him. And he, you know, I liked that in this one, they showed him bringing her books that he thought might be of interest to her and bringing her music and just doing the smallest kindest gestures and I just love that part and for me what really sold it was when Marianne fainted into his arms at the ball after seeing Willoughby I just felt like the emotion that he showed there was lovely and so true to life so huge huge fan of this guy of the governor because that's what Ben said when I was watching it. <laughs> I I'm conflicted. I agree with a lot of what you said, Beth. I think you can see how he likes her throughout it a bit, but I think what primarily went wrong was the script here. Like I think it didn't give him very good directions because not gonna lie, at first it was a little creepy to me, like how he was yes. acting. Um, which, like, I understood I what was happening. <laughs> okay. It, 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 from my impression, <laughs> I think that the director was trying to make him a bit like Darcy. Mm. Like, twist his character more into that. Mm. Um, you know, emotional constipation at the beginning <laughs> type of character. Like, quiet brooding kind of yeah. guy. Yeah. He, didn't which, have, he didn't have a ton of lines. I he really like. didn't. And, like, that's not – like, if you look at the book, it's – it's different, you know, like there's a different vibe. Um, so there was that inconsistency and like, I really didn't think that there was, they gave him enough time to interact properly with Mary Ann and like develop that chemistry because it really, it seems like creepy if you just like are looking outside in on this where it's like, okay, there's this old man, which they chose a very old looking actor mm-hmm. to play him. 
may I just say. Um, not that I'm opposed to older men. We know this, but like, just, he is not so that old. old. He I know was- he's not that old, but he's like, Brandon's supposed to be like, what, 35? He looks like he's 45. There used to be like a big age difference between them. Yeah, interesting. Alan Rickman played him, and there's like a 30 year age. Okay, listen, I'm sure I'll say the same thing when I see Alan Rickman. God bless that man. I totally agree. Alan Rickman was way older than he was supposed to be, but I think that if we're looking at this alone, this guy was still older than he was supposed to be. Marianne, I think, looks pretty accurate to what her age should be. And this guy was 40 plus when he played Brandon, and to me, he looked even older than that. And so I agree with you, Lori. I think that the attentions that he were mar- pl- he was playing Marianne, to me, I know, Beth, that it read to you sweet, but to me, it read creepy because he wasn't getting anything from her, really. And he just kept pursuing her and giving her music and books. Was it sweet? Yes, but also it was just, it was creepy to me. And there was a scene where he is delivering her books and she literally flees from the house <laughs> so she won't have to talk to him. Every girl has done that. Every yes. girl has stalked out in the back yes. room to escape some guy. And he like sits there for an hour waiting for her to come back. And I think part of it was just the way he chose to play him. You know, he uh, like we've said, he does not have a lot of dialogue. And I wrote down, Brandon always looks bored and mad, dead eyes and flat delivery. And I, I really do feel like he just did not portray a lot of emotion to me. Um, at the end, I, I think they were really trying to make sure you get that romance between Colonel Brandon and Marianne. And I appreciated that. I just felt like this was not the actor to do that with. That was just my opinion. I'm sorry. And just to tag on to that, I think the major thing in that was like the script. He didn't get enough dialogue. He didn't see that relationship with Marianne develop. But like, I I liked in the end, you know, how their relationship um, kind of came to an end, you know, them getting together and um, was it, I think it was Eleanor's line, um, you, to get a wild horse to come to you, you proceed gently mm. and then eventually they'll follow you, which kind of is a little creepy. <laughs> if you think about it, she is a young girl. Is Draw connections as you will. Um, but I mean, in the end, I did like how, as the film developed, you saw like how firm he was in his affection with Mary Ann. So I did appreciate that. Mm. Well, now that we've discussed Colonel Brandon, let's move on to his foil, Willoughby, who is played in this adaptation by Dominic West. He's actually pretty well known nowadays. He played Sky in Mamma Mia. Here we go again. And he played Howard Stark in what? multiple adaptations. He played in Agent Carter. He was Howard Stark in Captain America's uh, The First Avenger. He was Howard Stark. Um, so the younger Howard Stark is played by Dominic Cooper. So if you're a fan of the MCU and you thought he looked familiar, that would be why. So ladies, what did you think? I thought he was super unattractive. Ooh. Okay. See, I have, I have... I have a slightly conflicting thing. I thought he was attractive in like the first five minutes at the end of the first episode. Mm -hmm. And then the second episode came around and it was like red flags are flying everywhere. Red flags, red flags, red flags. Again, I feel like my feelings for Dominic Cooper have less to do with his acting because he's definitely a good actor and more to do with the script. Mm -hmm. I felt like in terms of book to movie accuracy, which honestly, y'all, I'm really looking for, um, it was just they portrayed the Marianne Willoughby relationship as mostly a lusty thing. And one scene where that was very apparent and very creepy was they went to Alanum and Marianne put this shawl on her shoulders. And there was this slow mo scene where he adjusts the shawl and then they kiss. And there was weird music and the whole thing was slow mo. And it was all just very creepy. And the other thing. The other problem that I had with Willoughby, the way he is portrayed, is the whole family, by the end of Willoughby's stay 
in Devonshire is supposed to kind of like be in love with him. His mom, mm-hmm. like Marianne's mom is infatuated with him. Eleanor even really likes him. Margaret loves him. And I really feel like that didn't come across very well. And I think it's just, he just didn't get really enough screen time in my opinion. So I felt like Willoughby was super sleazy. I know in the book, he's like underlying sleaze, you know, he's made mistakes, but you really didn't get to see why people would like him. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It maybe wasn't the most well-rounded portrayal. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt like the sleaze was forefront. Um, and like, at, first off, how are, like, there is no way that a boy and a girl, man, woman, whatever the heck you want to call it, who are not married would be allowed to run off to another house unchaperoned <laughs> like that. Like That was a little wild. Like, what in the world? And then they went off in, like, a chariot for um like what two hours the move the miniseries said on chaperone and everyone was like well they're just enjoying themselves it's like this is very not period yeah, in this moment like i'm i'm a little uncomfy with how not accurate this is anyway i think another thing that this movie or this miniseries did a bit odd was when willoughby comes back at the end he like first off he's trying to get the pity here which you know that's just his character but like i don't know if i missed it or something but i never heard him say i actually had real affection for mary ann mm-hmm. i just heard him say my wife hates me i don't like her this is how i feel can't you understand to eleanor and then yeah. eleanor's supposed to be like a little sympathetic and she's not at all in this adaptation. Yeah. It's also weird because, like, Marietta emerged on the series. Yeah. Like, like part of girl, it. you're supposed to be dying. I mean, the book can you There's a lot of books to movie accuracy problems. Yeah. I-, I think that they were trying to really emphasize the Marianne and Colonel Brandon storyline. So they wanted to make sure that the audience yeah. knew that chapter was closed by having Marianne watch that interaction. But again, I just feel like it strayed too far. You know, he was supposed to be a really, like, her great love that she eventually is able to move on from. And it just did not come across as the great love story that I think it should have been. But let's move on from that tragedy. Let's talk about our man, Edward, who is played in this adaptation by Dan Stevens, who you may know from playing the beast in the new modernized adaptation of Beauty and the Beast, or from playing Matthew in Downton Abbey. What Matthew is- Crawley, the freaking love of my life. Matthew freaking <laughs> Crawley, yes. And don't listen to this. <laughs> I I literally texted them. I was like, I hate this so much. And then I texted them again. And like 15 minutes later, I was like, it's okay. Dan Stevens has saved Dan it. Dan Stevens has redeemed it. So I take it you have positive yeah. feelings then, Beth? I do. I thought he was a wonderful Edward. Um, I would not have put him as Edward if I was casting this, but I really did. Do you feel like he pulled it off? The long hair helped. It somehow transformed yes. him into a different human, mm. an even more attractive human. Mm. And I really liked that. I thought the chemistry with him and Eleanor was amazing. I know you guys may disagree, <laughs> but I felt like there was real tension there. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of the scene well, one, the scene where he walks in and thinks he's just talking to Eleanor and then Lucy's there. Oh, my gosh, yes. I oh, actually, yeah, that gosh. was a great scene. Great yes. scene. Great acting in that scene, um, in my opinion. And then the scene that's just a little bit later on where it's just him and Eleanor and mm-hmm. she's telling him how Brandon's going to give him the parsonage. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps showing the like, close-ups of their faces and you just feel the like romantic tension I- and... Yeah, I would not argue the romantic tension chemistry second half of the movie was definitely there for me. Yeah. I think he played a – honestly, and this might be controversial, I think he might have been the most accurate miniseries to book character Mm -hmm. in the portrayal. See, I I would – I actually – disagree with you a little bit on that i feel like for the most part he was but i think that he wasn't awkward enough actually which don't get me wrong i don't mind but i do feel like in general the book talks about how edward's manners are not super pleasing until you get to know him better um and at the very beginning i felt like he was just very charming 
Um, definitely later on, you see that he lets his moods be known, which I guess could be where they were taking that. But yeah. He is Dan. You know, that, I mean, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. I can't really see him being super awkward. I think that's part of it. Yeah, I know. He probably was never going to be like awesome at that part of it, which is probably maybe why they wrote it. They wrote it differently and cast him in it. I definitely um, believed every bit of his feelings that he expressed when it, you know, was involved with Eleanor or Lucy or his mother saying, hey, you're marrying this other girl and there's this other girl that he's, like, obligated himself to marry. And, like, you can really see his, like, honor and commitment to what he has promised that he will do um, is very well demonstrated in this adaptation. And I really appreciate that because I think that's one of, like, the main aspects of his character. And I feel like they really got that down. Yeah. And honestly, aside from the whole if he's supposed to be shy thing, I think that this was one of my favorite parts of the adaptation. Um, Even though maybe it wasn't super book to movie accurate, I thought it was a great take on Edward. And I thought he did just a great job. And like you said, he is the epitome of the most important qualities that Edward has. Mm. And I thought his proposal to Eleanor was really romantic. Oh, yes. Um, So, like, let's just go ahead and talk about book to movie changes. Um, We've already covered some, but... Uh, one thing that was really interesting was they changed the timeline on the marriages and the proposals. Mm-hmm. And so you actually find out that Eleanor, excuse me, that Marianne and Colonel Brandon are engaged before we even get Edward coming to propose to Eleanor. So it takes him much longer to come to her and propose, um, which kind of makes their relationship more dramatic and it makes their love story take center stage, I think, because it's kind of the right at the end. It's the resolution. Um, they're finally getting to be together. He's finally getting to express how much he loves her. And she, you know, she freaks out and is bawling her eyes out, which is, you know, more or less goes with the book. But it, it really definitely makes it more dramatic in the way that they choose yeah. to do it. Um, what other changes did you guys feel like stuck out to you? Besides what we've already talked about, the stuff <laughs> and the kissing, all yeah. that just you know the weird overt sexual overtones of this miniseries um one thing that we were all kind of discussing before we all started recording there's a duel in this yeah, like a very prominent yeah. duel like colonel brandon i mean obviously beats willoughby i mean come on like there was no question that, that was gonna happen but in the book it's literally a line a line that uh, um, that Colonel Brandon challenged Willoughby to a duel and like no one was hurt in the end or something is like pretty much the line. Don't quote me exactly on that, but that's the gist. That duel is in reference to Colonel Brandon's ward, not Marianne, which the miniseries really makes it seem like Colonel Brandon left that party, hunted down Willoughby and was like, we're dueling over Marianne. Which isn't book accurate, like, at all. I feel like most of their changes revolved around trying to make sure that Colonel Brandon and Marianne seemed like they were destined to be together, which is sweet, but it's definitely not accurate. Um, And it definitely took away from, I feel like, some of the heartache that Marianne experiences at the hands of Willoughby. Um, I also do – I did like them – changing the timeline. I thought that was cool that they make Eleanor and Edward center stage. One other thing that I liked, Lori and I were talking about this before we recorded, but Margaret has a couple of fun little lines. I love Margaret. Yes, I love Margaret. Margaret made this movie for me, spoilers. Yes. Like, that child was amazing. At the very beginning, she mentions that she wants to poison her sister-in-law, <laughs> which was hilarious. There's also a really sweet scene. Um, the relationship that you get to see between Marianne and Eleanor and their little sister is really cute. And just they show you a lot of the funny ways that a little sister could disrupt suitors, you know, some of the impertinent things that she says to people like Edward and Willoughby, which was really cute. And then once she's talking to Eleanor about how they're going to go to Colonel Brandon's house and Eleanor tells her that he has a greenhouse that has peaches and strawberries. And she just has this cute little line where they're just like nose to nose. She's like, peaches and strawberries. And it's just really sweet. So I loved the addition of just more um, stuff for Margaret to do. I thought that was really cute. Yeah. Also, I thought it was really funny that they kind of gave her like this mini subplot of like 
being annoyed that she's a woman, <gasps> which is hilarious because, I mean, like, she's obviously a tomboy. There's multiple scenes of her climbing trees and, like, fishing stuff out of the ocean when they move and stuff. And it's hilarious because at one point she's, like, reciting the kings and queens of England. Um, and she's, like, if I was born a man, I'd, like, hunt down and duel, I think it was Willoughby. Mm. Or something she's like threatening somebody's life um <laughs> again she's like hilarious for like a seven-year-old to do she's um, 13 or she's 13 yes. lol <laughs> hilarious for like a 13 year old to do i think we all agree we love margaret so should we exclude her from our make it or break it because i mean that might jade the entire entire thing but uh julia what was your make it or break okay it? so this is a little bit random but my make it was John Dashwood's son, Henry Dashwood. <laughs> He's this adorable little curly-headed, oh red-haired God. boy, and he was so cute. And he was always eating, and I just really loved him. Um, I thought it was hilarious. But m- more seriously, it was really funny when uh, Fanny Dashwood would talk about how John was taking money away from her son. He was just kind of sitting there, like, minding his own business. And I thought it was really funny. Um, Another more serious break it is Dan Stevens. I thought his portrayal of Edward was great. And I thought he was arguably one of the best actors in this film. So, hot take. Um, And my break it was that I felt like this adaptation really didn't highlight the intensity of the love between Marianne and Willoughby. Just the lack of dialogue and stuff there that led to not really appreciating that. So that was my break it, sadly. Lori, what about you? I think I'm going to start negative and go positive, I guess. Um, My negative, I think, was two things. The relationships and then the book-to-movie accuracy, Mm -hmm. which I think are kind of like intertwined. I, I agree with you. The Brandon and Marianne relationship is like a weird progression and dynamic that I don't think was handled like to its best ability or whatever. Um, so that kind of was disappointing. And just like there was like random inconsistencies that I wasn't like super thrilled with. Like I can get over a movie's quality. I can get over the time length, you know, like an actor doesn't look like whatever. But like when you kind of mess with the source material, it's kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, Because you're looking for the source material in the adaptation you're watching, you know? I think my make it might be, besides little cute Margaret, um, would be, like, how steadfast Edward is to his character. Like, how, like, accurate, for the most part, that character is. I think him, like, it really shows him struggling with, like, he really loves Eleanor, but, like, he's gonna stick with... um, you know, marrying Lucy because he already promised that. And then his mom was like, you're going to be disowned if you do this and not marry her. And he was like, okay, I got to obey by this. So I thought that was, that was my favorite part. Well, my bracket is for sure the weird fire sex. (laughs) I will never get over it. I think that ruined this adaptation for you. It was difficult. I, I'm sad that I was the first person to watch it because I think if I had gotten a warning like you guys got, it would have been more bearable. But that yeah. just, it was so weird. Um, my make it is shockingly not the face of Dan Stevens. Um, it's what? actually, it's actually a very specific scene. Um, it just really got me. So this scene takes place when Marianne is in the throes of her sorrow over Willoughby and of course Eleanor has already found out that Lucy and Edward are secretly engaged (laughs) Um, and I think Marianne might be in bed and there's like a maid who brings in a glass of wine Ah, Yes, and Marianne (laughs) yells at Eleanor she's like you have no idea what I suffer and then Eleanor just gives her like Eleanor has this crazy look on her face and then she just chugs the wine and that just felt really relatable Yes. And I loved it. It was amazing. That is so on brand for you, Beth. I think that's every older sister dealing with a, like, sad, like, obnoxious, you know, 
younger sister that's like, you don't know how I feel. You never know how I feel. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I need alcohol. To As a younger it. sister, unfortunately, <laughs> cannot relate. Um, Sorry, older sisters. <laughs> I'm an older sister. Older, older sister. It's two brother. So it's a little different. Um, So, Lori, mm-hmm. what do you date? Oh my gosh. Hmm. Well, for this adaptation, I think it might be Edward. I mean, the fact that he's Dan Stevens doesn't hurt anyone at all. Um, I will say he's the beast. I know, right? Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Also, like complete side note, Evermore is a banger on that soundtrack. And honestly, I think it's one of the best additions to a Disney original movie Mm -hmm. uh turned live action like beautiful um just a little uh, a little secret for you ben won the affections of my heart by performing evermore (laughs) in the car i forgot about that knocks it out of the park i'm telling you it's it's incredible most attractive thing ever (laughs) is my husband seeing me evermore in the car whenever we're driving somewhere (laughs) Sorry, Lori, not to steal your thunder. (laughs) It's okay. I'll focus on my imaginary boyfriend. Um, One day. One day. One one day. You ever more in the car. LOL. When I can leave my house safely and interact with other humans. Please, dear God, let that day be soon. Um, But yeah, I think it would be Edward. Potentially later when I see other Colonel Brandons, it might be Colonel Brandon Mm -hmm. because... He is, like, even in the book, a little more Darcy-ish, and y'all know how I feel about Darcy. Are you crushing on Snape, Lori? (laughs) Also, love you, Alan Rickman, but... mm. Lori, I cannot believe that you didn't mention the connection to Sherlock that this adaptation has. Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Harry Potter. totally forgot. Yes. Um, Okay, so... Bit a bit, bit a bit. This is your BBC One uh, Sherlock <laughs> announcement from Lori. Um, John in this adaptation is played by Mark Gatiss, who some of you may know uh, as a director of Sherlock, the BBC version, uh, as Mycroft Holmes in Sherlock, and as being a writer on Doctor Who and also being in Doctor Who in random episodes. Yes. BBC has like five actors, y'all. We've discussed this. I mean, they all get around, but it's always funny to just like connect an actor to a different production. And of course, there is Mr. Weasley who plays Mr. Middleton. Who is the first of many, 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 many actors from Harry Potter in a Sense and Sensibility adaptation. Because Britain, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> only has 10 actors. And- <laughs> I think the BBC just has, like, a giant list of all actors, and they're like, okay, you're good at period pieces, so, like, every other year you'll be in this adaptation and this adaptation, and we'll just switch your schedules. That's my theory. Would love to actually talk to BBC One. Well, obviously, we're having a good old time tonight, so ladies, tell me (laughs) how your drinks were. Well, ladies, my honeybush mandarin and orange herbal tea is almost gone i'm sorry it's it's very close to gone but it was very good um it smells like an orange creamsicle and it tastes very similar to an orange creamsicle if it were in tea form so i would highly recommend very good very delightful for this conversation beth how was your drink my drink was great (laughs) I finished it about 20 minutes ago, so I'm <laughs> just chilling, just drinking some water. Uh, what about you, Lori? I see you I see you sipping on some water hydrate right now. Hydrate or dihydrate, ladies. Hydrate or dihydrate. Also, I'm horrible about drinking water, so, you know, just going to chug another 24 ounces before I go to bed. This is like my third 32-ounce like <laughs> water bottle of the day. Oh. Listen, I'm happy if I drink two 24-ounce water bottles in one day. Like, I'm horrible about drinking water. Don't do that. Drink your water. It's good for your health. Um, My drink was very good. I finished it off. I think um, it's a very neutral, I guess, rosé. Like, it's not, like, shocking and, um, like, crazy exciting. But, like, it tastes good. It comes in a pack of four. It's in a can. 
And, you know, it's a little bubbly, but not too much. It's like pretty good. I would recommend. Well, friends, we really hope you guys enjoyed our conversation on the 2008 miniseries Sense and Sensibility from the BBC today. Um, It's great to get back into the swing of things, talking about characters, talking about book to movie accuracy with my good friends, Lori and Julia. Again, we loved having y'all. If you guys liked listening, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Every rating helps so much and we love to hear feedback from y'all. You can follow us on Instagram. We are at Sips and Sensibility Pod and you can like us on Facebook at Sips and Sensibility. And Julia has a little bit of a shout out for us. I do. Before I get into the shout out, I just wanted to say we are very close to 800 followers on Instagram. Yes. So remember to keep sharing our posts, commenting, and saving them. You can even turn on our post notifications. We just added a new link tree. So whenever you click the link in our bio, you can find where our podcasts are posted. We've also added to our link tree links to products that we mention on the podcast where you can find them on Amazon. So if you guys ever hear us mention something and are interested in buying, be sure to check that out. We're going to link some of the Jane Austen mugs that we were talking about, some of the drinks we've discussed. So be sure to check that out for fun Jane Austen related products and teas. Just a quick note, if you do purchase something through that Amazon link. It is an affiliate code, so we will get a small commission and we really appreciate you contributing to our livelihood in this way. Now, for the very special Instagram shout out, this week we're shouting out someone who has actually been listening to our podcast from the very beginning and we're so thankful to have you listening. It's Gila Santos, who's on Instagram as Gila G. Santos. That's G-I-L-A-G-S-A-N-T-O-S. So be sure to give her a follow and send her some love. Thanks for following and listening. And on that note, sadly, we must say goodbye and good night. Uh, but next week, so we are going to be watching the 1981 BBC miniseries. And this also, if you have Amazon Prime, is included with your Amazon Prime. So you should just be able to, if you're logged in, just go straight to it, click and watch. Uh, just that super quick and simple. And on that note, sadly, we must say good night and goodbye. So until next time, keep on sipping, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>